This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, helping millennials execute their vision. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Blind Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today I have with me a dear friend. Her name is Melissa Shipke. She's 28 years of age. She's the CEO and co-founder of Tassel, which is a company that is building technologies to connect university networks by providing tools to create meaningful, long-lasting relationships with their alumni. Melissa, how's your day so far? Good. Very good. Awesome. So we're going to get right to it. First question, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what is your story? Yeah, um, so I am a Jersey native. I uh, went to Penn State as my undergrad um, and was like kind of one of those crazy involved students there um, where I ran the marketing association. I started the first marketing career fair there. I was always super involved. Um, and actually, when I graduated, the university gave me a scholarship to continue to stay involved and come back. Uh, once a semester to work on strategy uh, for the business school in particular around alumni engagement. So that was kind of my first toe into alumni engagement. But uh, when I graduated from college, I actually worked in corporate America for about five years um, in a B2B sales and analytical role uh, for a Fortune 200 company where I learned a ton, um, had a lot of really cool developmental roles and got to manage a team uh, and then made the jump like two years ago. <coughs> I was living out, excuse me, in Central PA at the time um, and actually uh, needed to come back to Jersey for personal reasons. Uh, my mother's sick. And um, when I came back, I was finishing grad school and I decided, hell, I'm going to start a company. I saw a really big need for uh, what we're providing here at Tassel. And I, I continued to see it through my involvement going back up at Penn State and was able to validate it with a lot of other alumni, alumni groups and institutions and just decided that's what I was going to do. So tell us a little bit about what Tassel actually is. Yeah, so Tassel is kind of a whole suite of technologies that help better connect the alumni engagement ecosystem. So, um, you know, for me, it was always frustrating as, a, as an alum in Philadelphia for me to find out, like, how to get involved or connect with other alum in the area. Um, I had to go to, like, the six different clubs' websites that exist in Philly you know, my specific college's website, the university's website, the alumni association's website, and it was all these amazing resources, but they're kind of all over the place. So we wanted to create um, a centralized platform where, where um, you can easily tap into all of the great things that your network has to offer. Uh, I truly believe that the alumni network's probably one of the most untapped networks that we use as young adults and even later in our life. Um, you know, it's that instant connection you have with somebody when you find out they've gone to the same school as you. And um, we can make that easier to replicate and scale and, and easier to access. Um, it only creates stronger and better communities and, and people helping each other out. Mm. So how has your alumni network helped you in, in actually creating Tassel? Oh my God. So like in insane amounts of ways, like I would not be where I am today without either of my alma mater. So I did my undergrad at Penn state and my graduate program I did at Rowan. Um, Penn State has been testing our products for me, uh, specifically, you know, in the business school for the last, you know, two years, providing feedback as we developed out the technologies. I even before starting the company, you know, pitched the idea to them to see if they thought it was something they could use. And uh, they helped really kind of identify some of the major needs in the marketplace. And then um, Rowan even like pitching to them, too, and their alumni association about what opportunities they had uh, helped also build out that technology. 
Um, and then Rowan also is one of our lead investors. So they also invested as a university um, through the fact that, you know, they do offer that fund up to faculty, students and alumni. So that's a huge added value of being part of that network. Um, and then just the, the connections I've made up in the startup community, uh, you know, coming from corporate America, I was very unaware of all the resources and how tight the startup network and community is. Um, and then was able to reach out to other Penn Staters who had started companies and were growing companies uh, and just like cold emailed and said, hey, I'm, I'm an alum thinking about starting a company. Could you provide feedback? And every single one of them right away responded, set up calls, set up meetings for me, sent me resources uh, and really have helped guide me to where I am today. So uh, so you used a specific template. Tell me tell me or tell me a little bit about like the uh, how you were able to get your meetings in order to validate your idea and also to push it to the next level. Yeah, so um, I, what's great about um, the higher ed space is everybody's kind of willing to share and, and talk about you know what their goals are and what their strategies are. Um, you know, there's building relationships can be really tough. Measuring relationships are even tougher. Um, and I think, you know, as we see more and more education moving online, the, the value proposition around why do you go to college? Like, why do you spend four years on a campus? Um, it's not just the education anymore because you can you can take any of those classes online. It's really about the network that you're that you're also paying for, you're buying into. Um, so the struggle that a lot of people felt around trying to provide metrics, you know, I think any school I reached out to, any, any um, you know, alumni association leader or person who worked in alumni development or alumni relations that I, that I emailed and said, hey, like, I'm thinking about building technologies in this space, like, I'd love to pick your brain. They were more than willing to, to talk and have conversation, which was really kind of exciting and I think really also validated their, their need to want technology in this space. Mm, so, okay, so... Uh... Somebody that's listening right now, they went to yep. they went to X school. What mm -hmm. would you suggest in order f to have them reach out to their alumni? Uh, what are some networks that some tips and tricks that you've used along your way in order to make that happen? Yeah, well, first I would tell them to download Tassel, and if their school's not on it, to request it because then they can use Tassel to do it. <laughs> but um, and that's what the goal is to allow Tassel to really help you identify those people and connect with those people. Um, because if you if you're not really well connected to your alumni network already, it can be pretty difficult to to get back in. Um, most universities have local chapters for clubs, so that's a really great way to connect more locally. Um, I'd say if you're an alum and you're ever going back to campus, whether it's to watch a basketball game or a football game or, or to visit a friend, you know, always give your university the heads up. I mean, right now it's not very easy to do that. Um, we're hoping to build technologies to make that easier, but um, let them know, like if you if you want to get involved, um, and if you if you do need advice, uh, you know, most schools have an alumni career services center. So if you're ever thinking of a career transition, they can help you there. Um, and all of them have alumni associations and alumni relations departments. So if there's particular alumni you're looking to connect with uh, in a specific industry, you know, you can always reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'm looking to speak to somebody in this industry. Is there anybody you have in mind? And, and I guarantee you they, they'd have people they can connect you with. Yeah. So go go step further back um, yeah. to when it all started. Uh, yeah. What were some of the initial struggles um, of when you first started coming out of you know the the Fortune 200 uh, corporate job, and answer that question. And my follow up question will be: You know, tell me some of your struggles now, knowing that you have investors and things like that. Yeah, um, 
I don't. So I worked really hard in my corporate job. So the shift of also working really hard in a startup wasn't too drastic for me. Um, I've always been kind of like a work around the clock kind of person to mm-hmm. to do what has to get done. I think the the shift of like you know, especially you know, I have a technical co-founder who's amazing, and and technical people have different hours than business people. Uh, which was a hard adjustment at first where like I'm in the mentality where it's like I get up at you know six o'clock because you know I start my day at like 7 30 very corporate type mentality but then I'd be working till like 2 a.m over like slack and everything with my co-founder working on things and then still expecting myself to get up at that 7 a.m time so I think the adjustment from just like the way things are done in corporate to the way things are done in startup life was uh, a hard adjustment um also, like the, if you had an idea, a lot of times in my corporate job, there's like most, like a ton of different lines of approval you had to kind of like go through before it was like even like generate, like hammering out what that idea was or, or implementing it. And usually you didn't have a lot of room for flexibility there. So it's fun to just be like, oh, like here's a good idea and then actually do it and execute it in like a timely fashion. So um, that's, that's been like a huge shift for me. Um, but the, now that we were like report to investors and stuff, it's not too much. It's kind of like bringing me back a little bit to when I used to report to managers at my old job. Mm. So, but I, you know, I feel like our raise was a good, really good raise for us. And the fact that we have some really great strategic partners, um, like I was really happy about all the people who invest in our round and they all even the ones on the board and the ones that are on the board, they add so much value to the company. And like, they're, I don't really see them as like bosses of mine. I kind of see them as like, if I have ideas, I can throw them at them and, and have conversations. A great example, we have a, a board member who used to be the VP of marketing for audible.com and like just sitting around and like shooting marketing ideas with him is probably like some of the highlights of, you know, what I get to do and, and people I get to experience working with. Nice. So how, how difficult was it to create a board? Um, not because that I, difficult. Actually. And, you know, a uh, lot of people, a lot of businesses, a lot of uh, startups in particular, obviously, um, they don't even think about creating a board. Yeah, I mean, we had um, people that were considered advisors initially, and then you know, as you go through the round, you kind of formalize the board seats, and um, the the way things kind of shook out was really nice for us. You know, we were a five person board, and. Uh, we're very excited about all the people that are on our board and they all have a lot of different, you, you want to keep it a, a diverse board where there's, they come from different backgrounds, different areas and, and keep it really balanced where I think that's the struggle. Um, you know, we were really, really fortunate that um, of our pool of investors, a lot of them were interested in being board members. So um, that was, it was almost like a challenge to figure out, you know, who's kind of the best, best fit because we had so many good people. Wow. Um, yeah. That's definitely like we yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so the first, I don't know what it's going to be like, like adding board members. I'm like, I, I'm not really looking forward to any of that stuff, but it'll be you, interesting. Do you know when you would have to expand to a bigger uh, board? Is it like a certain threshold? Like, or I don't old? think so. I mean, you just have to, nah, I don't, I don't think there is, yeah. um, you know, probably if we have like, if we go through another round of investors and have like another really big lead investor, they'll probably on a board seat right understand so tell me um t- tell us a little bit about your uh like your one of your biggest failures in in starting this um 
We got some not so great advice initially around just like the uh, setting up the, the the entity of the company, um, but uh, so that was kind of like a. Uh, I guess that would be our first fail of like, oh shit, we just wasted some money like setting up this way. Now we have to dissolve it and reset it up. I mean, mm-hmm. we were really early on, so it wasn't a major deal, but you just have to be really careful who you're getting advice from um, mm-hmm. and like how, and for big decisions, ask a couple of people, not just one, because you get varying opinions across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was like a business structure setup fail. Um, one of our funny fails that we like to talk about is um, we got, you know, as a startup, you get really excited when you have some money to get T-shirts made with your company logo on it because we wear them for trade shows and we wear them for conferences and we wear them for like pitching. Um, and then we like give them to interns and whatnot. Uh, and we got our shirts with the tassel logo on the front and it says tassel on the bottom. Um, and we got we wanted the tassel at the bottom to be like really big so people would know it's tassel makes sense but uh i wore a blazer over it to pitch to a room full of like 500 investors mm-hmm. and uh the blazer covered the t and the l so i just like stood up like literally in front of hundreds of investors with a shirt that said ass on it nice. uh which was a little embarrassing but um funny to laugh at now and we're actually designing our, our newer shirt that we'll get soon that we're taking very much into to consideration the uh, the design flaws of the first round. <laughs> now it's just going to say ass, right? The T and the Yeah, yeah. straight yeah. ass. You know, right. It worked really well. <laughs> money, so we're, we're sticking you with could, it. You could be onto something. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you're, you're waking up early. Are you still yeah. waking up early? Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot to do. Sure. Still, yeah. Well, tell me, t- tell me how you're – your your daily life, you know, usually begins and and when it usually ends. Um, well, it's it's funny. It's like it's so different every day almost. Like we're we're about like two years into doing this, and we keep thinking like, oh, we're we're so close to like something that's a little bit more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're doing. We just it just got announced and released yesterday that we're part of the the new Dream It class for the spring cohort. So. Um, like we're literally out of their office in Philly part of the time and then New York part of the time. Um, I'm traveling a lot this summer for industry specific conferences. So I, I don't really see anything normalizing before September now, mm. um, which is kind of a bummer, but, uh, it's good to be busy. Um, but my day is typically like I try to get up as early as I can get up, but I'm usually working till like 11 o'clock at night at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take a break for like dinner, but that's pretty much it. So has um, it, uh, it makes, okay. Sorry. No, good. So I just like a big part of, you know, even while we were developing out our products, um, you know, before we even started fundraising, you know, fundraising is a full-time job in itself, but, um, while you're developing out products, I think building out your network at the same time is so important too. So I was at networking events like every night of the week, even like full days of work and being exhausted. It's like, oh, all right, I got to get into Philly. I got to, I got to be at this event. And, I definitely recommend doing that as tough as it is, but you never know who you're going to meet and like who you can help out now. And then they might help you out later. It's just the, the people you meet along the way, I think is what really adds to the journey of being in a startup and, and doing this. So how has, I mean, obviously you're, you're networking like a fiend have, <laughs> what are some, what are some advice that you'd give to, to people, um, in order to kind of not get bogged down and not uh, and not get just uh, just worn down by the day to day grind. 
Uh, I don't know. Does anyone have advice for me on that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do you, how uh, do you keep mentally? And because if there's a mental capacity that you have to have in order to do this, I mean, is not for the faint of heart, which is exactly why, you know, this exists, this platform exists. So like, what are some things that you do to kind of just like take you away from startup world? Yeah. I don't really leave startup world as often as I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, what's great what I about, especially being in like the Philly and South Jersey area is like, I now, I now have a lot of friends that are startup founders and CEOs. So like we'll get together for drinks and hang out. Um, you know, the conversation is still probably very more startup focused than it should be, but it, it's kind of our way of, of venting and, and having time downtime. Um, you know, I think like the biggest thing that I wasn't really aware of going into this is it, it gets really hard to share with like your friends that you grew up with and that you've been friends with for a long time, the experience you're going through. So I think having those other founders that are going, that are friends of yours that are going through this too is, is so critical because it's, it's really kind of hard to explain it to anybody else or um, kind of share that experience. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how people do it. Was that an issue? Who don't like hang out. Was that an issue in terms of like your friends uh, and even your family? Um, I mean, everybody's been pretty understanding and super supportive. Uh, I think like people are a little frustrated on my availability being so limited now, but um, I think they get it. I mean, uh, everybody really believes in what we're doing and, 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 you know, I think they're just, they're excited for us. And, um, you know, we're, we're getting a, um, uh, an award from IEE, uh, next next weekend in Philadelphia at the Union League and a bunch of our like our good close friends are, are all got seats at the table at this gala and you know they're 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 supportive and it's great and it's just it's it's hard when your stress is all around the startup and all the things that are going on with that to find people who can relate to it. Mm, okay, so you know if, if if it's like are there any resources that you use daily? Now, whether it's an app or whether it's a, you know, uh, something that you do on a on a residual basis, on a daily basis, to kind of uh, just help you succeed. Um, I, my current obsession is with Trello. Okay. <laughs> I use Trello boards like crazy. <laughs> uh, that keeps me organized because you know, as CEO, you wear so many different hats. Um, that you know, the, I'll try to like categorize things and group things so like all right, I'm going to spend the next two hours on like HR issues and onboarding employees or, and then like the next hour I can chunk all the things I need to do around, you know, our summer internship program. And then the next hour around, you know, the, the legal paperwork from our, our, our raise. And so it, that kind of helps keep me organized. Um, and it's probably like a lifesaver. It's like my personal assistant. Mm, okay. Until I can afford a personal assistant. <laughs> so you're saying that you, uh, you're trying to get better at work-life balance. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you how do you envision yourself doing that? Because um, it's a problem. I mean, you're not the only yeah, one. Just so no, you know. Totally um, so I, I actively try to take like close my computer down by six p.m. one night a week, mm-hmm. and then I try to take one one day off like a a week if I can. Okay. Yeah, not really showing any good balance. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, again, you're not the only one. I mean, everybody that yeah. I've interviewed thus far 
everybody has the same issue is yeah. finding that perfect balance. And a lot of people say that they want to get to it, but I just want to make sure that it's something at least in front of mind for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It definitely is. I mean, I definitely think about it a lot. What's, what's interesting too is like a lot of the stuff that, you know, technically is like work stuff is also really fun for me. And um, mm -hmm. I really enjoy like a lot of the networking stuff and, and meeting with people and you know, going on visits on schools and getting to, to meet people who work in alumni relations. Like it doesn't always feel like work. Um, it does, like, which I think is what, what makes it hard, you know, when you're in a startup, it's something you're so passionate about and you're so involved with that it, it doesn't feel like work. So work-life balance is, is hard to define when you're not defining anything you're doing during the day as work. So, okay. So this is a good, a good segue. Um, so the blind entrepreneur, the reason why this podcast was created is because there's tons of people out there, um, that are millennials that either trash talk millennials say that, that, you know, we can't do anything, uh, where we have our heads down in our phones all day, but there's also those millennials who look at things like shark tank and they, they see things on social media that kind of says, you know, if Mark Zuckerberg's a billionaire, I could be a billionaire too. All I need is a good idea. So what are three pieces of advice that you'd give to somebody to help them on their entrepreneurial path or even become entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, again, back to the, the networking. Networking is key, um, but you have to network the right way. It's not all about, you know, going out and meeting somebody and being like, what can you do for me? Um, you know, building relationships is, is crucial and important um, and really understanding the space you want to get into. I mean, there's a lot of really great people out there that have great ideas but don't know how to run a business. And there's a lot of people that have that business mindset that would love to do a startup but just don't have that idea. Um, so finding those people and, and putting those people together and looking for those people, really knowing which person you are and, and that kind of equation I think is really important too. Uh, so being really self-aware, um, is, would be another piece of advice. Um, and you want a third one, huh? Hmm. <laughs> uh, third piece of advice. Um, well it's, it's not easy. So you, you can't be willing to give up and you have to, I always kind of joke, you have to be really smart, but also a little bit crazy to do a startup because you have to be, um, really smart on the business side of things, but you know, not too tied to the, to your business idea. Cause you're going to pivot a lot and not too stubborn about it. You know, you have to, obviously the crazy part comes in with just what you're going to put up with, with going through a startup and, and just the hours and the stress and, you know, putting your entire savings account on the line um, and just kind of living in that world of uncertainty as, as your normal uh, norm is the crazy part. But you have to be really smart, too, and, and you can't be stubborn and, you know, think like your idea is better than every idea out there because it's probably not or somebody else is probably working on it. So you always have to think about, like, what's going on in the market, how you can pivot to be the right fit for the market, and then why are you the right person to be doing it? Like you have to be the right person to be doing it. And that's really too what ties into what investors are looking for as well. Mm, okay. So um, yeah, believe it or not, the, the podcast is pretty much over. This interview is pretty much, oh, okay. this pretty much, interview is pretty much set. Um, yeah. I like kind of answer the questions because I can I ramble like crazy but <laughs> no I think you did I mean I think the the, the most important aspect of it is um, you number one figure out a work-life balance but also networking and how important networking is um, yeah because a lot of people hide behind a computer and you know the, the yeah. way, the way that is... we met 
is through networking. And yeah, we were the youngest like people in the rooms. Which yeah. you wouldn't really not, you know, be not really where you see a lot of people of, of our generation. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. And, you know, we were the youngest people in the room. We were just like, you're young. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk. You got to put yourself out outside of the comfort zone. Uh, like, that's the biggest piece of feedback and what makes me so mad about what people say about our generation. Um, and it's funny, I, I've done a lot of, like, generational fit assessments. We had to do those at my old job. And I, on paper, I relate more to the baby boomer generation because I love those personal connections. I love going out and like meeting somebody. I don't want to just send a connection on LinkedIn and, and think that you're part of my network. If I haven't had a conversation or a cup of coffee or a meal with you, then like I, that's not really – that doesn't count to me. And I think that gets lost a lot with what we can do and what we're capable of doing with technology. And I think a lot of baby boomers actually relate to, to millennials as well. Yeah. And a lot of people just aren't too afraid, like you said, to go out and yeah. put themselves out there. Um, how valuable was uh, was LinkedIn for you? I don't use it that much. No, that's fine. I know. No, that's fine. Um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious to see how you got these the, the people's names and the numbers uh, or emails of yeah, these people. You no, know, it's through the network. Through people want to introducing you to other people and knowing mm-hmm. other people. I mean, we we don't not use LinkedIn completely. Sure. Um, you know, I see LinkedIn as more of like a job searching tool um, over, over anything. And, um, or like in, you can get like industry news, I guess, in the feeds. I still haven't really figured out how the feeds work. We kind of look at that from time to time too. Um, but I just, I, I, again, it's through, through connections, through connections, through connections. And I think that's, you build a stronger relationship with people that way. Um, like I, I don't even accept connections with people on LinkedIn that just like send the general connection. Like if you don't send a message, um, like I either won't connect with you or I'll respond and say, Hey, like, thanks for like checking out my profile. Was there something in particular you wanted to connect about if I don't know who you are? Mm-hmm. Um, and like literally nine times out of 10, that person never responds. Right. Of course. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, you literally grew your business and your network the way that you should be doing it. But because technology is there, we use that as a crutch. So kudos, yeah. kudos to you. I do have one final question though. Yeah. Imagine you just had the worst day of your life. You're down okay. in the dumps, you're sad, but you're motivated to succeed. What is that one piece of food that's going to make your day better and make you crush the rest of your day? Um, easy. It would have to be Penn State's chocolate shipment ice cream. <laughs> nice. Why? I mean, obviously Penn State because you went there, and obviously you probably had many a nights just traveling. But why? Why ice cream? Well, I, I don't know. Ice cream is just a great. I like the mint chocolate chip because it doesn't make me like. I I don't feel terrible when I'm eating it because the mint is very refreshing and light. <laughs> um, and like Penn State makes the best freaking ice cream ever. Right. Uh, I mean, they're known for their food science thing. So like literally. I'm very fortunate that I get to work very closely with Penn State, and while the drive is not not the greatest, I always bring my cooler and get my ice cream, and they pack it with dry ice, so it makes it all the way back here, and I nice. store it in the fridge for those very nights. How long does it usually last you if it's in the fridge or in the freezer? Uh, it depends if my roommate is home. <laughs> she'll, she'll go through my ice cream pretty quickly. Nice. Very cool. Well, uh, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Really yeah, appreciate absolutely. It. Congratulations on all your success. And uh, last but not least, if you could just tell everybody 
how they could follow Tassel's journey, how they could follow your journey. If they have any questions yeah. for you, how can they reach you directly? Yeah, so you can follow me at, at Shipke, at S-C-H-I-P-K-E, um, or you can also follow the Tassel team at, at Team Tassel. Um, and then if you want to download the app, if you're really passionate about your alma mater, you can download it and request your school if it's not on there already, and we'll get our asses working on building and, and, and breaking into that network for you. Um, and, you know, you can reach me at just Melissa at Tassel.com. Cool. Awesome, Melissa. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye.